Hello, and welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Burton, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Frank Rodman, the president and co-founder of Torchstone Global. Frank is a security executive with over 25 years of qualitative experience building pragmatic security solutions. He has worked with diplomats, business leaders, and ultra high net worth families to develop sophisticated strategies to avoid risk. Prior to Torchstone, Mr. Rodman served as head of global security and investigations for the family partners of one of the largest private investment firms in the United States. Mr. Rodman was also a senior security consultant for Dell Computer Corporation, where he developed and personally executed protection plans for the company's founder and chairman. Prior to joining the private sector, Mr. Rodman served as a special agent with the U.S. Department of State's Diplomatic Security Service, where he led protection teams for U.S. diplomats and visiting dignitaries and managed security at diplomatic facilities abroad. Frank, welcome to the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thanks for having me, Fred. It's a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with you. Oh, I was looking forward to this. In the spirit of transparency, Frank and I work together as special agents with the State Department and also in the private sector. And Frank, you've done extraordinarily well in the private sector. Tell me a little bit about your company, Torchstone. Sure, be happy to. We are a global risk mitigation and security firm that provides a pretty broad range of uh, solutions to our clients. Um, We were founded in 2010 and uh, currently have 42 full-time employees in five countries, 18 cities. Uh, We focus mostly on uh, threat analysis and protective intelligence physical security, vulnerability assessments, and uh, executive protection and event security. We've got three practice areas, high net worth and high profile individuals and families, multinational corporations, and international sporting and entertainment events. Uh, We've worked with uh, over 100 families since we started and 130 companies, many of whom are, are corporate sponsors of Uh, international sporting events. And uh, our personnel have also protected uh, major primary candidates in each of the last four U.S. presidential election cycles. So lots of experience with high-profile events and high-profile people. Yeah, that's amazing, Frank. Now, Frank, uh, how tough is it to protect venues like sporting events that are, in essence, uh, open to the public? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a paradox, right? So you're talking about protecting an event that has the words open and public in it. So uh, there's definitely a delicate balance that we uh, that we need to strike between effective security and what's going to be acceptable uh, 
socially and, and sometimes even politically. So the principle of proportionality is, uh, is always a key driving force behind how we design and deploy protective security measures. Uh, you know, we've got to weigh the measures that we put in place, you know, anything we could conceivably do to improve security. And we've got to balance that against the venue's desire to, to produce an event that's enjoyable and well-attended and, and profitable. So it's, uh, it's definitely a bit of a challenge. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, and Frank, uh, how important is intelligence to the protection of these sporting events or special events? Uh, it's critical. Um, pr proactive, protective intelligence is, is critical to uh, improving the situational awareness that's so important when we're managing security for an event like this. We, we take a, uh, an integrated approach to security uh, that is focused on prioritizing and mitigating risk. So awareness and, and prevention are, are the main focus of our efforts with the goal of avoiding security situations wherever possible, you know, risk avoidance. Um, now, you and I both know that there's no absolute security. There's no 100% solution. You can never be 100% uh, safe and secure. But that doesn't mean that we can't take a logical, rational approach to identifying the risks and putting measures in place to mitigate that risk and to reduce the impact of an incident should one occur. And in order to do that effectively, you have to have good protective intelligence. Frank, what are the biggest challenges that you face in protecting special events? Uh, I think the biggest challenge is, is uh, the complexity. Some of the international world stage events like the Olympics, for example, we were uh, involved in supporting uh, one of the top sponsors of the Olympics uh, in the 2016 Rio Games. And you take a world stage event like the Olympics and you put it in an environment like Rio, uh, it's incredibly complex. You've got so many moving parts. Uh, you've got guests, you've got VIPs and executives, you've got uh, sponsored athletes, uh, you've got transportation, logistics, weather. Uh, communication challenges. Uh, so it takes a lot of intelligence, uh, contingency planning and, and training to be able to manage security for an event with that level of complexity. Um, and again, back to the protective intelligence, it, the risk environment is always changing. So you have to have an ongoing risk assessment in real time uh, to be able to determine what type of changes may need to be made to your security plan. And all of that takes uh, a really experienced team of security professionals to, to effectively implement a, a strategy like that. And we're very fortunate at Torchstone to have our head of intelligence, Scott Stewart, who is an ONTIC protective intelligence honoree, um, proud to say. We've got um, former members of the U.S. Secret Service. We've got uh, a, a clinical psychologist who helps with threat management and, and behavioral analysis. We've got uh, corporate security industry veterans who understand issues around uh, brand protection and corporate culture. Uh, we've got uh, an Olympics project manager who's spent a good part of his career in Asia, uh, who's fluent in 
several languages and understands the, the local environment. Uh, after Rio, we, we worked in Pyeongchang for the Winter Olympics, and uh, we've been involved in security planning for the Tokyo Olympics as well, which of course have been postponed to this summer, uh, actually kicking off here in a couple of weeks. But it, it, I, I'd say to answer your question, you know, the, the biggest challenge is with some of these special events is, is the complexity uh, around the planning and all of the people that have a role to play in, in making sure that these events are, are staged safely and securely, but at the same time allow uh, the, the enjoyment of the guests and uh, the minimization of any kind of disruption. Yeah, and as you and I know, Frank, you look historically at uh, disruptions at Olympics with the eyes of the world there, you know, going back to to Munich and uh, the hoax IED in Los Angeles, and then, of course, uh, in Atlanta, where uh, I was running protective intelligence ops, and, you know, of the, the bombing there at Centennial Park, you know, certainly uh, was uh, shocking for us. And just logistically, I think that a lot of people just don't understand the complexity of just the logistics surrounding an Olympic event. Yeah, it, it definitely takes a mindset for sure. And in terms of some of the contingency planning, having the right mindset is, is more difficult than, than it might sound. Uh, you know, nearly all people will elect to wait for more information or less inconvenience, or they'll, they'll try to deny the worst news during some type of emergency situation. Uh, but, you know, acting promptly once the threshold for something like an evacuation is met is, is critical to increasing the likelihood that everybody is going to navigate the crisis more safely. So mindset is, is definitely uh, one of the things we work on in the planning stage. You know, and we're also, although we're planning for worst case scenarios, like some of the ones you mentioned, you know, we also have to be prepared to deal with more ordinary incidents like a, a medical incident or, you know, fights and drunkenness and things that we're more likely to see occur at, at some of these events, but that don't have as, as grave an impact uh, on the overall planning. And that leads us into a good follow-up question. Frank, uh, what are the kind of threats that you have run into or have seen specifically targeting athletes or at your sporting events that uh, Torchstone covers? Uh, well, professional athletes uh, in many countries uh, and their families are increasingly becoming the, victim, the victims of crimes, uh, of racial attacks. Uh, of abuse on social media. Uh, you know, I'm not going to discuss specific cases, but if if you look at the news, there are dozens of recent incidents where, you know, an athlete might be playing at a game while his, his home is being burglarized. Uh, there have been cases where family members have even been uh, kidnapped for a period of time and held for ransom. You know, elite athletes tend to be intensely focused individuals. Uh, that's how they came to be elite in the first place. And if they have concerns about threats from criminal gangs or, or from deranged fans or from, uh, you know, racist tweets, this can be 
a huge distraction for them as well as being potentially dangerous. So we help these athletes identify solutions that work. Some, some of them are spending a ridiculous amount of money on inadequate or ineffective security. And uh, we've recently partnered with Premier Sports Network, which is a, a private networking platform exclusively for sports professionals that uh, helps them manage various aspects of their lives, whether it's finances or managing their brand online. Uh, and we are now um, the security provider to the Premier Sports Network to, to help some of these athletes deal with, with these issues. Uh, you know, and one of the problems is an athlete not only has to work in this day and age on their, on their skills as an athlete, but they have to work on developing their personal brand, which means being active on social media. And, uh, you know, we all know the dark side of, of that. And uh, we find ourselves in increasingly working with not only professional athletes, but also high profile individuals who are concerned about their online footprint and about lurking threats online from people that have a, a negative focus of interest or an unusual focus of interest. Yeah, and especially for some of these high-profile athletes, Frank. I mean, and when you look at it from the standpoint of uh, that fixated personality or stalker, I mean, the schedule's right there where that athlete will be. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, as I said, some of them are, are trying to address those concerns with security, but it's not, a, it's not always security that makes sense. So we help identify what the most likely risks are, what the athlete's vulnerability to those, to those threats may be, and, and help address them in a logical way. We'll get back to the conversation in just a moment. But first, I wanted to tell you a little about Ontic's Center for Protective Intelligence. In the world of protective intelligence, we know that gathering and sharing information is crucial. This is why we created the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. We're regularly sharing strategies and best practices, insights learned from current and historical trends, as well as lessons learned from physical security experts like you. To find blogs, podcasts, webinars, white papers, and more, check out the center by visiting ontic.co slash center. That's ontic.co slash center. You know, Frank, uh, you and I go back a long way and from planning aspects, I, I know when you were assigned to the New York field office with the State Department that literally planning for the United Nations General Assembly takes place all year long. And so when you look at uh, these sporting events or the Olympics that Torchstone has covered and, and your other special events, how long typically is your planning cycle for an event? Or on the flip side, when you have seasonal sports activities, whatever they might be, and you're covering, I would imagine that is your ongoing planning is, is pretty much every day. Yeah, that's right. I mean, one of our one of the professional sports leagues that we work with is the Ladies Professional Golf Association. We coordinate 35 tournaments annually uh, all around the world. And that planning is, is literally happening every week on an ongoing basis uh, throughout the season. Uh, for other events, 
large events like the Olympics, where we may be supporting the hospitality program, you know, for 500 or more guests for a top Olympic sponsor, uh, the planning could start years in advance. I actually have our first conference call this week or this month, rather, with the top Olympic sponsor to begin planning for Paris 2024 Olympics. Wow. So, uh, so that, you know, typically though, we'll have boots on the ground a year in advance for something like the Olympic Games. We had Lance Root, another former colleague of ours from the State Department who was the RSO in Rio. We had him assigned in Rio in, adva- in a year in advance of the Games uh, to help with, with all the planning and coordination. And so it's, uh, you know, you think about the amount of advanced planning that's necessary, right? Security surveys of hotels, uh, of Olympic venues, of neighborhoods, of hospitality venues, of all the locations to be visited by the VIPs that we might be providing executive protection for, you know, all the logistics, the airports, the the hospitals, and emergency response capabilities. You know, especially in an international environment, it can be a little bit daunting. But we also work very hard at establishing the right relationships. You know, we talked about the importance of intelligence earlier. Uh, you know. The, the foundation of our intelligence collection now is is all unclassified open source material. Uh, so we need to augment that with our professional relationships and and alternate data gathering channels to to capture all the information that's needed to to have a really accurate protective intelligence picture. So we'll look at things like uh, police and emergency response capabilities, uh, the potential for, for civil unrest or demonstrations, uh, what the plan that law enforcement has for responding to those types of disruptions, what are the terrorist and criminal group profiles in the cities where we're going, uh, country security reports. OSAC has been uh, especially helpful, the Overseas Security Advisory Council of the U.S. State Department, which is its public-private partnership that most of your listeners, I'm sure, are aware of uh, one of the most valuable things during the Olympic Games was were the relationships that uh, we were able to develop through OSAC members, the security representatives of other top sponsors, uh, which all of whom were a great source of intelligence, real-time intelligence during the games, uh, because you know people had boots on the ground everywhere, so uh, it was a great source of of real-time intel. And we found it to be much quicker than the official channels of sharing information about ongoing incidents. Yeah, that's amazing. Frank, how has COVID affected your security planning for these special events? Well, uh, honestly, you know, contagions like COVID were were already on our risk list. Um, You know, in Rio, we dealt with Zika virus. Uh, In Pyeongchang, we were dealing with the norovirus, which took out 800 security staff members at, at Olympic venues. So things like, you know, contagious disease were, were part of our uh, tabletop crisis management planning uh, in Pyeongchang because of our experience in Rio. So uh, I'd find it hard to believe if COVID was not something like COVID, like a pandemic was not already on the radar of, of uh, Olympic security planners. Obviously, the impact of COVID-19 was much more devastating than I'm sure anyone could have imagined. And it's, it's certainly impacted 
the planning, not just for things like the Olympics, but for all kinds of sporting events. I mean, we coordinated security at many LPGA tournaments with no fans last year. Things are, are returning to normal now, but back then it was, uh, it definitely had an impact. One of the interesting things about the result of COVID on things like sports and entertainment venues has been the way that venues have tried to use technology to improve safety and security. For example, using technology to, to minimize contact with frequently touched surfaces, you know, for access control at a venue. Things like using the power of some of these cameras and, and artificial intelligence to determine whether someone's wearing a mask or not, or to, to gauge the temperature of people that are being admitted access. So it's been really interesting to see how something like COVID has, has really influenced the use of technology to improve security and safety in ways that we, we may not have thought about before. Another interesting area, uh, you know, speaking of technology, is the use of radar uh, for advanced perimeter detection around things like stadiums or, or golf courses to watch for drones, for example, which are very difficult to protect against. Uh, I was at a security briefing for the Super Bowl in, uh, well, I won't say the city, but <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> we've, we've also supported corporate sponsors at uh, 11 of the last 12 Super Bowls. And at this particular Super Bowl, there was a security briefing being conducted by the FBI. And, and I was shocked at, at how they just didn't have any way of dealing with the threat from drones. There's just not a, a, the legal framework or the practical framework for them to, to deal with these. And you know, hopefully in the period since that briefing, you know, they've come up with some solutions. But I'm sure there are threats we're not even thinking about today that will be on the horizon that uh, we'll be dealing with in the future. And again, that's, it, it goes to the integrated program of, of situational awareness and having the, the resources and training and procedures in place to provide a good integrated security solution. Frank, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to say? Uh, Look, I think, as I said, I think collaboration and relationships are so important uh, to the ability to provide effective security. Uh, I think if if as an industry, we can come together and and, uh, determine new methods of security to address some of the new threats that we're seeing out there, I, I think that will help us all be much more effective in the way that we deliver solutions to our clients and our customers and uh, to ensure the safety and enjoyment of, of uh, things like sporting events and concerts that I'm sure people are very happy to be able to get back to uh, you know, in a post-COVID world. So that's, I guess that's what I'd like to say. And, and, uh, and again, I'd like to say thank you for the opportunity to catch up with you and to talk about some of the things we're dealing with out there. Well, thanks so much, Frank, for being on the OnTick Protective Intelligence Podcast. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by the OnTick Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontick.co/center. Again, 
That's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.